Sustainable peace depends on the capacities a society has to address conflict in non-violent, non-coercive ways. Geneva Peacecast, a series on solutions from Geneva Peace Week, produced by Interpeace and Fondation Hirondelle. Hello, I'm Louini Ranasinghe, and with me today are General Romeo Dallaire, member of the International Commission on Inclusive Peace, former member of the Senate of Canada. He's also the founder of Dallaire Institute for Children, Peace and Security. I'm also joined with Mr. Bernardo Arevalo, a member of the International Commission for Inclusive Peace, which spearheads the Principles for Peace Initiative, currently elected member of the Congress of the Republic of Guatemala. He's also a senior diplomat. To discuss the topic of a new role for governing institutions in building peace, I would like to start our conversation today with Mr. Bernardo. Mr. Bernardo, could you please explain to us the meaning of sustainable peace for you? Sustainable peace depends on the capacities a society has to address conflict in non-violent, non-coercive ways. Conflict is an unavoidable fact of social life. There will always be different needs, interests, and visions among society, and these differences constitute tensions that, when coming into expression around concrete decisions, can become conflicts, pitching one sector of society against another. So the question is not whether conflict can be prevented, but how do we ensure that it can be transformed so that by solving it, not only the specific problem is effectively addressed, but that its peaceful and collaborative resolution constitutes by itself a contribution to social cohesion and civic trust. And this transformative capacity is fundamentally about ensuring societies are capable of resolving conflicts by non-coercive, non-violent means. These capacities are developed and built into different processes and mechanisms that regulate social, political, and economic life. First of all, in its principles and values, the fundamental elements that define attitudes and behavior of members in a society, guiding their actions individually and collectively around issues of violence, force, dialogue, coexistence, etc. Second, in its normative frameworks, rules and regulations that establish the boundaries of accepted and rejected behavior and social action, defining accepted mechanisms for conflict resolution that prevent people from taking matters into their own hands and allowing procedures to achieve outcomes that not only address the conflictive issue, but cement the norms themselves. And finally, in its institutional hardware, in the way institutions operate to resolve and transform conflicts in the different realms of social life at every level of society on the different issues that constitute social, economic, and political life at national, regional, and local level. It is this trilogy between values, norms, and institutions, the one that sustains peace in any society or if it's dysfunctional, that the one that promotes coercion and violence in it. The key is to put in place and foster processes in each of these 
angles that promote the changes that are needed to sustain nonviolent attitudes, behaviors, and actions. And this is fundamentally a political process, an agreement on how social life will be conducted in society. And Mr. Bernardo, can you please tell us what powers are held by parliamentarians in the development for capacities for sustainable peace? The truth is that parliaments hold a huge power in the development of capacities for sustainable peace in society. Through these two parallel but intertwined mechanisms. First, through the formal representation, legislation, and monitoring scrutiny functions required in any democratic society, shaping laws and institutions. But as important as the first, through its pedagogic, albeit informal function, as a political body where positive public values, attitudes, and behaviors are demonstrated and therefore shaped. Together, these two functions contribute to the development of the civic trust, trust between institutions and population, that is at the heart of every peaceful society. Thank you very much. Turning to General Dallaire, I would like to discuss with you the shifts and the changes that needs to strengthen the parliamentary or governing institutions. It was interesting that uh, in 2005, as I was a senator, the prime minister approached me uh, and asked me to go uh, with another senator and an ambassador uh, to look at the problematics of the Darfur situation and what Canada should be doing. Now, I was on the defense committee, um, but uh, I was not in the executive of the government. Uh, I was just a senator. And I thought that was extraordinary because I was able to go there with no links to actual formal policy, nor restrictions by formal executive responsibilities uh, in looking at the problem from a perspective that was not in the direct decision line of the government. However, what I was able to do was able to bring a perspective that did not have the influence of the bureaucrats or the uh, professional uh, uh, government officials, but it gave a sense to the prime minister of what I thought people thought, what people should think, and what we should be endeavoring in. And so, uh, to me, one of the major shifts in the whole process of our institutions is to empower and that by themselves creating that power of grouping, of bringing together parliamentarians, non-executive, and having them either through their committees or as a group, like we created the Genocide Prevention Group in, in Canada, go into the field. Yes, move beyond the local. May not get many votes now, but the youth are watching and I truly believe that is a mandate that they would love to see us be involved in. And we can bring an influence outside of the chain of command, if I could use the term, uh, of a government uh, to bring a new perspective uh, to the problem. And lastly, General Dallaire, what would be your call to legislative bodies around the world? Well, I think it is critical uh, that parliamentarians, both houses, 
that they in fact create all party networks, all party nonpartisan groups that can not only discuss matters in a grouping, uh, be they in foreign affairs, be they in defense, be they in national development, be they in trade, be they in immigration, they're all potentially members of committees that are already looking at legislation that's coming in those arenas, and that these groups educate, educate, educate themselves, pass the information to all their colleagues. In Canada, there's about 300 odd uh, uh, parliamentarians uh, of both houses, maybe 20, 30, 40 of them are involved in this grouping, but they could spend the word and help educate the other parliamentarians who are very much locked into the local requirement. It is surprising that, however, as we move into beyond our borders, that we can call upon and assist our local population in understanding what's going on and to be engaged and create a movement. We can generate a movement. We can generate energy internally in the country from the people, the grassroots. And that, to me, is an absolutely critical element. I believe that we can be sort of like an NGO. And I don't say that pejoratively, like an international NGO and certainly policy. Well, parliamentarians could group themselves as, as sort of like an NGO and go forward beyond our borders. And yeah, seek the information. And that to me uh, is a very real capability and become an offline asset to the executive to be able to go in without the big, big flag of the country, but with a small flag looking into what is going on and providing some input back. It does mean access to sometimes classified material to ensure that you're, in fact, on the right track. That is resolvable. We were able to create in our country, and I've seen it in the United States, and in the UK it exists, Australia oversight committees that do have access to secure material that can be passed on uh, to other parliamentarians for specific tasks and roles. Thank you very much, General Dallaire, for this very strong message. I'm Louini Ranesinghe from Interpeace, and in this episode, I've talked to General Romeo Dallaire and Mr. Bernardo Arevalo de Leon, members of the International Commission on Inclusive Peace, which spearheads the Principles for Peace Initiative, an independent global participatory effort to rethink and reframe current approaches to peace and peace processes. Geneva Peacecast. Produced by Interpeace and Fondation Hirondelle.